Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, we are filming season three of the Honey and Hustle podcast live at the Durham Bottling Co. right in downtown Durham. We're about to get into a great conversation, but before we do that, I'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to share this episode with someone who you think might get some value from it. Feel free to tag me on the podcast on social media, and I'll be sure to put those links on the video and in the description below. If you're listening to the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. It helps others find the show and lets me know how I'm doing at this video podcast thing. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to check out our affiliate links, shop our merch, and subscribe to the Honeypot newsletter and this YouTube channel, all at the links in the description. Without further ado, let's get into it. So thank you so much for joining me here today at the Durham Bottling Co. to talk about everything Aspiring Co. has going on, everything you have going on as a creator, <laughs> as an entrepreneur. And I just want to say I feel very honored to have you on the mic this time because you are typically the one asking all the questions. So now you get to be in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is what this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am usually the one that's asking people questions and being like, oh, tell me more about that. And it's weird to be on the other side of that. Okay, well, good. Used to feeling weird because we're going to get a little bit weirder. It's fine. Um, so you have been interviewing people for a long time, but that's not the basis of Aspiring Co. So Aspiring Co. is your design company, right? <sighs> that's a great question. <laughs> so, well, my my vision was for Aspiring Co. to just be the, the media stuff and then for my design stuff to be separate, but no one makes that connection. So I, it just always ends up under Aspiring Co. to the point where I actually talked to an accountant. I was like, hey, so I'm trying to, I'm going to have to redo some stuff. Um, so I had this like vision for, um, I thought about getting another LLC and making that one Dream Creative Studio and then having Aspiring Co. as a DBA under that. Okay. Um, so that way everything would just kind of belong to that company. But she was like, hey, hold your horses. And I was like, all right, well, that's fine. I'll just sit my ass down somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the... I, in my mind, it was supposed to be separate, but... No one sees it that way, so it's all together. Okay. Well, can you tell me, like, since that was your initial, like, idea for Aspiring Co. and having that separation, like, how did that start? Like, when did you start Aspiring Co. and how did it get to where it is now where you have a book and you have all these amazing clients and you're doing all these amazing design work and all the great things? Okay. So in 2013-ish, I was graduating from college And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Like, no clue what creative careers look like. 
Um, I went to college thinking I was going to be a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. I'm very far from that at this <laughs> point. So I honestly had no idea what careers looked like for people that were not like in like a an office mm-hmm. or not like doing like pharmacy stuff. So I really just wanted to like talk to people and just like see and specifically women. And I wanted to be a place that didn't have any like celebrity stuff. I wanted to just be like really focused on just like regular people that you could like see yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the vision. And I had a co-founder um, at the time, which it was, I had the idea. I went to this girl. I was like, hey, you know, she was like in my design classes in college. I was like, hey, I would love to get you. I know like, that you blog, so I would like to have you as like a contributor for this project. She was like, all right, cool. So then we put everything aside, you know, graduate. Um, like I started my first job, which was a train wreck. And mm-hmm. then... Um, she had reached back out to me. She was like, hey, let's do this thing, but as co-founders. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I don't have, there's nothing here. So we're starting from scratch. So um, we had started everything together. We had worked probably for like six months leading up to like when we launched, which was was January 1st, 2014. Um, We made it as a team, maybe a good two months. Okay. And then things went awry. Um, I think... A lot of people that start with co-founders, you'll kind of, you'll hear that like it doesn't always work out and it's due to all kinds of different reasons. We just were not on the same page at all. Yeah. Um, So the whole time, so it was called speaking of everything at that point. And so we're doing, I was just interviewing people. It was like one a month and just putting it up. And we had like other content that we were like, like other, it was like a whole little magazine, Mm -hmm. but as we separated, I was like, I don't really don't have the bandwidth for all of this. And also it was like our friends that were like writing for us. And so we lost, when I lost her, I lost like all of her little friends too. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, all right, this is not ideal. So let's figure out how we can make this like work. So that was like 2014. So I just kept going because I just felt like I felt like I was out to prove something at that point that, hey, I don't need you and we'll stink friends. I can do this by myself. <laughs> no shade at I all. I mean, that, that's the nice version of how I actually feel on the inside. Um, so, yeah, I was like, all right, I can do this by myself. So I was just, like, committed to just, like, putting on content regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept finding, like, these really cool people to interview, which at this point, Instagram was, like, a newish thing, you know? So, like, it wasn't it was nowhere near what it is now where people are just like on there flexing all day. But like before it was just like people were taking pictures of like their, their food and like, look at my outfit. It wasn't like a whole. So anyway, I, I didn't know what people like were doing for like careers. So I was finding them on Instagram mostly. And then just like signing the DMS or finding their email address and then contacting them and being like, Hey, I would love to talk to you about this. What are you doing? It's really cool. Find them. We meet, whatever, do the interview, and then I would take the time to, like, edit it and then put it back out. Um, so then in 2000, 2000, maybe, like, 17 or 18, one of those, I was like, all right, so I'm shifting gears because I've just been doing this work without really even thinking about it. I've just been, like, in, like, just, like, get it out there mode. Mm-hmm. And so I had a minute, and I was like, okay this doesn't really feel like what I wanted it to be anymore. Like at this point, I'm just doing this to prove something to someone that I don't even care about now. So let's stop. Um, so I took a little break 
And I was like, all right, Aspiring Co. That's what it's going to be, which was an idea that I had back when I was in college. I wanted to make t-shirts that just said, like, Aspiring and then, like, a blank on it, thinking that it would help at, like, networking events for people to kind of, like, see, like, literally what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, like, a vision I had. And I didn't have anything else but just, like, that that concept. So I kept that, and I was like, all right, Aspiring Co., we're just going to go with that. So the first thing I rolled out was a mug that was the is aspiring with a blank line. So people, some people have, like, written their thing on it, on there. Um, so, yeah, that was, we kind of, like, rebranded to Aspiring Co., and at that point, I was doing a ton of design work. Like, I was working full-time still, um, so, yeah, this is 2017. I was working full-time still. I quit my job in 2018. So um, I'm just, like, putting out content. And also, right when I left my job, it's, like, everything, things just started coming out of nowhere. Like, all these opportunities, um, which I'm looking back, I'm like, hmm, at the time, that was, like, the, the right move. Now, I'm not so... <laughs> If we're being honest, I do think sometimes, like, hmm, should I have quit my job? You know, like, should I have, could I, I probably could have lasted a little bit longer. I mean, you just know with everything, there's a trade-off. So it's just like, is it worth what I'm, like, where I am now? Which obviously, you know, if I didn't do it this way, I'd be always be wondering, like, oh, I should have quit my job, you know? So, um, yeah, so anyway... We, in 2018, I was able to go to, like, this United States State of Women event. Michelle Obama was, like, the keynote. Um, I applied randomly for a press pass, which I did not think was going to be approved. <laughs> I was in my bed at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning because insomnia, insomnia and anxiety. So I just, like, woke up, and I was like, hmm, look at this. <laughs> Let me see. I started just, like, clicking on links and just... I do that often sometimes. <laughs> I just end up in, like, a rabbit hole. So I found the press contact, so I emailed her. The email has typos in it and everything. Because it was it was so early. I just sent it. I, I again, did not think anyone was going to read it or anything. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, wow, that was really easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so after that, um, it was me and um, two friends. We went to L.A. And, like, we covered the event, which, honestly, I feel like we just attended the event. I don't feel like we got any, like, actual press, like, privileges. Um but we, we were there. It was really fun. And then I was like, okay, this is a life I can see for myself. <laughs> and then I uh, came back home. I think right after that, I went to social media week in New York. So I was go- I was just like okay, spreading the word about Aspiring Co. Just telling anyone that would listen to me. Um, I think I also went to BYOB brand. Uh, well, is BYOB is called like build your own brand and then live I think that's like their handle like BYOB live so I went to their first event which was in DC and again I took some friends and they helped me cover it for media and that was really really fun I made a lot of connections and I feel like all of these things I like made connections but I was like okay I don't really know what I'm gonna do with any of this stuff now so yeah that was 2018 Yes, 2018, and then it's very strange because then I did Forbes in 2019. Okay. So it's like, wow, in my mind, those seems like it seems like lifetimes apart. You know, <laughs> it was literally the next year. Um, so again, on a whim, I just applied for something. Um, I had I had a friend that's from the area actually. She was like, oh, I'm gonna be an exhibitor at Forbes um, 30 Under 30 Summit. 
And I was like, all right, cool. She's like, oh, so I'm selling, I get like extra tickets. So I'm selling tickets. So like, if you pay me like $500, she can come with me. And I was like, cool. Then I was like, you know what? If she can exhibit, why don't I try that same thing? Yeah. So I applied and they called me and I picked up, I had an attitude because <laughs> you're going to be like, this girl is insane. <laughs> Stay far away. Um, so yeah, I had picked up because I thought it was Rutgers because I, you know, online you see like these little course catalogs and you're like, oh, I would like to just see what, what they're teaching the kids. So I put my information in <laughs> and they were calling me, they were like harassing me. I had to block all the numbers. So it was always like a new, new Brunswick um, area code. So I was just like blocking the numbers. So the guy from Forbes calls, I sent, I think I sent him straight to voicemail cause I was like, I don't have time for these people. And then I played the voicemail and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> like, I'm, oh, this is a thing. Yeah. So I remember I was at my parents' house. I had to like run upstairs into the bedroom, call him back because everyone was like being loud. And I was like, I just need a moment. Um, so he was like, yeah, well, next thing is you're going to have to pay like, I think it was like $1,500 to like exhibit. And I was like, all right, I don't have that. I'm going to figure it out though. <laughs> so I just was like, all right, challenge accepted. So I immediately went into like, fundraising mode which I don't girl I don't know I honestly don't know how I'm sitting here right now <laughs> like I mean that was a it was a lot going on and then I had like some health stuff come up like in 2014 and then again in 2019 um so that was really something that like kind of set me I felt like every time I was trying to take a step forward God would be like hey girl mm -mm, back sit down relax you're doing too much um so yeah, I ended up just now we're at Aspiring, but that was a very long answer to your <laughs> question as to how do we get here. It's okay. And, and then the book. So yeah. that was something that I, I have a friend, um, Sheila from the Bulls of Derm. Yeah. So she was trying to get someone else to let her do like a rerun of their book. And I was like, girl, if you're just looking for books to print, I got you. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Danae, why have you been sitting on this? I was like, because, I, I mean, the way that my life has just worked so far is I just put things vaguely out into the universe. And then sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew at some point I would get around to this book, but I was not, it wasn't anything that I was looking to accomplish immediately. Um, so she was like, all right, well, since you have all this content, let's talk. So I started planning with her. And we we're gonna, she was gonna be like my publisher. And I honestly don't know how we were gonna work it out because ultimately we ended up not being able to like work together. I feel like at the time she had emailed me in like December of 2019, 20, I don't know. All the pandemic, everything's just like <laughs> one, one big month. Um, so she had emailed me and was like, hey, so I'm gonna have to close. It was COVID related, so it, it had to have been 20. 20. 20 yeah she was like um i'm gonna have to close the doors for the derms of bull bulls of derm <laughs> girl <laughs> so yeah she had emailed me that she was gonna have to close the doors and i was like oh cool i sold eight copies of this book and now i don't know how this is gonna ha become a thing yeah and literally the next day i feel like Everything for me is just, like, luck and community. Mm. They just kind of go together and in ways that, like, you don't think yeah. they would work out. So, like, 
I had signed out up for this thing called FISO, Figure Shit Out. It's like an accelerator mm-hmm. um, run by Christina Noel. She's in Raleigh. Yeah. So, right. yes, I love Christina. She's the best. So I signed up for FISO, and I met this girl who lives in Canada, and we became, like, fast friends. We were, like, in the same little group. And she introduced me to this other girl that has, like, a feminist book club box. So she was like, hey, maybe you can, like, get some of your, like, marketing materials in the the box. And I was like, that's a good idea. Let let me reach out to her. So I did that. Um, My box came. So I had, like, a little, like, book mailer, like like, a little postcard about the book that I had put into all the boxes. It was, like, 1,500 of them that had the date that the book was supposed to come out before Sheila had, like, been like, hey, we're not going to do this together. So I'm just like, oh, God, I already sent out all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, super stressed. But it ended up working out to where I got my, literally the day after I got her email, the next morning, my box arrived. I opened the box, and I had, like, a, um, it has, like, a little brochure in there, and she always gives, like, 5% of the proceeds to, like, an organization. So in the brochure, she'll tell you about the organization and all that stuff. And it was a publisher, and I was like, huh, I literally just lost my publisher. Now I'm getting this box that is telling me all about this new publisher. So I was like, mm, let me see if I can get in with them. Yeah. So I ended up meeting with that girl. And that, I mean, it took months. So by the time I met with her, she was like, hey, this is actually not a good fit for, for our like new startup publishing mm-hmm. company, but I work for this other publisher. And I think you'd be great a great fit for them. Okay. So she introduced me to my publisher, Wise Inc. So... It's just been a whirlwind. It sounds like literally, <laughs> girl. Like, that's that's my whole life story right there. I mean, more or less. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. Okay, I don't even know where to dig in first. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I think uh, sometimes. So sometimes when we share our stories, I think it becomes increasingly evident that like progress isn't linear and like At all. sometimes we have like these checkpoints that like we're like okay I need to reassess like where I am and where I want to be going and if the things that I'm doing now are preparing me to go in that direction like as it stands now and sometimes that answer is not always yes and sometimes what to do to like kind of course correct is not always like easy or like ideal or mm-hmm. like sexy or fun or just like yeah like you know I started this online SAS and it grew to you know 10 million MRR and this is what we're doing and it's like it takes not (laughs) Not even close to my story my story is like "Mm," (laughs) but I mean it's it's real it's like we we have these moments where we have to like check in and like realizing that like seasons are going to change we're going to change directions are going to change and like our priorities in life are going to change and I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it's not easy to hear or even easy to admit that, like, you know, I was doing these things for the wrong reasons. Like, mm-hmm. I was doing this to prove that I could do it, not necessarily because this is what I wanted to do or it's serving me having the life that I want as right. in reality. You know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't, you know, I've been doing the same thing for the same reason for so long. It's taken me a minute to step back and say, like, this isn't actually serving me. Right. And if it's not serving me, it's definitely not serving my clients. And so when you had, like, that kind of, like, mm, like moment, like, okay, I need to, like, do something different. I need to course correct. I need to find, like, my tribe of people who are going to support me and, like, do things for the reasons that, like, make me happy and mm-hmm. cause me to have the life that I want to live. Like, what was that 
feeling like or like how long did it take for you to really accept that? Like how long did it take you to like start moving in that direction? Because sometimes we don't listen to ourselves. Like You're correct. <laughs> well, I'm the kind of person, I think because I... There's a lot that my brain just was trying to unpack. So I'm the kind of person that will just like take the steps. I'm like, okay, Aspiring Co, that's the name. Let me buy the domain. So mm-hmm. once I did that, I was like, all right, this is now done. But I have this other website over here on WordPress. I have no idea how to. Literally, that's how I started my web, like start doing websites because it was out of need for myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't afford to pay someone however much it's going to be. I probably could have because I was still working full time. But I didn't want to, so I was like, let me figure out. I'm, I had taken, like, web design classes um, in college, so, like, it was not something that was completely foreign. But um, I was like, you know what? I can figure this out by myself. So I did that, and then I was like, oh, this is something I can now do for other people because mm-hmm. it's a thing that people need. Um, but had I not taken that shift, I wouldn't be designing websites for people. Right. I would. I mean, I would probably still be doing, like, print design and, like, random stuff. But, yeah, it really just came from, like, a necessity for me to be able to create this thing for myself. Um, And I think once I realized that I was doing it out of spite, I probably, it was probably, like, maybe, like, a month. I was like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I went, I remember I went to, like, HQ in Raleigh Mm -hmm. with my dad, and I had him just, like, film me just, like, talking about the change and I mean, honestly, I don't even know what we did with that video, but (laughs) we did it. Um... I just knew that I it didn't feel right to me anymore, and I wanted something that was 100% mine, mm-hmm. and also knowing that I had started with someone that I'm not on speaking terms with, and, you know, like, it was, like, I think she had done the, the logo for our first thing. I was, like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I want everything to be, like, all on mine or just, like, something that I can claim for myself that, like, I built this thing. Right. So ending up, like, having to change everything over and just, like, really just committing to it I'm just like if I have an idea I'll buy the domain immediately because it's just like now that it's like a step I'm taking in the right direction to making this a real thing yeah and I think that's important too like just taking those small steps instead of thinking like wow this is this massive undertaking that I have to do in two days it's like okay I can start small like what are some of the immediate things that I would need to make this a viable option for me to Mm -hmm. like actually explore and like realize and stuff like that and domain, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm slow to buy a domain name. I've only, I bought the first one pretty quickly-ish. And then like, <laughs> ish, like, I don't know, like maybe after like four months, so that maybe not as quick actually, but, <laughs> and then even like my name, like you were like, Angela, why don't you have your own name, like domain? Like, yeah. I don't know. But also <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if I'm getting like not a ton of money from like my clients because that was a whole other thing like I wanted to be like an affordable designer that was like my biggest like mission I was like I I want to be I didn't want to um be something that people could not I wanted to be like the everyday person's designer or like small business owners specifically like minority owned businesses Mm -hmm. so I just like um I really so if I get money from like a project the majority of that is going to like a different business idea that I have that is just like, <laughs> so, so I'll immediately just like buy a domain. I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Let me just buy this. Yeah. So that's like the first thing I do. And then sometimes I'll make a website, but usually I'll just buy the domain and just like have it sitting there for when I'm ready for it. Yeah. I've done that. I probably have like, maybe like eight or nine. Jesus <laughs> Christ, girl. <laughs> yes. 
I have a lot, a oh, lot of them. Goodness um, Yeah, because like I get an idea and I'm like, hmm, I need to, we're going to move forward with this at some point. I don't want someone else to take it before I can yeah. take it. That's fair. Yeah. Nine though? Okay. So I have a lot. <laughs> so moving on to the book. So I feel like the book is actually kind of the perfect culmination between like the media and design aspects of your brand because the Dream Chasers book um, almost finished, which is mm-hmm. almost finished and almost coming out. Oh, right? girl. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole other thing. When we did our little debrief earlier, I forgot to tell you. Anyway, yes, okay. we're making progress. Okay. Um, so almost finished is the name of the book. Yes. And she has interviewed like all these women over the course of years. And she was designing the book based on those interviews and stuff. So I'm really excited to see it come to life. But, you know, that is where like, again, like you took a leap, you did a Kickstarter, you like... I know you did all the things. Do you want to tell Do not them recommend? About- oh goodness! Tell them about your Kickstarter like campaign experience. Hey, that's how we met. That's so fun. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! The fact that I just had that light bulb go off. I was like, wow, full circle here. It is. Um. Yeah. So the Kickstarter that was a. Uh, I just knew that the process was going to be mad expensive. That's all I knew. It was like, and I mean, I had the quotes from my publisher. Um, but when you go the indie publisher route, it's like, you're paying for everything. Like you're, you're doing each step. So basically it's like, I'm self publishing, but with the, the wisdom of like people that have done this before and they have like their own teams and experts and experiences. Um, but yeah, I just knew it was going to be mad expensive and I was like, "Mm, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. So I knew that the Kickstarter had to come and it needed to be like pretty, soon in the process because I knew that like the bills were going to start racking up and I mean I probably could have made it a little bit longer without the kickstarter just because I was just like everything I do is like I work and then I I pour it all into like business ideas Mm -hmm. which is probably not the wisest thing to do I'm no one's financial advisor though (laughs) so (laughs) just the way that I live my life um so yeah I had reached out to some friends I it was also was really important to me to um you know how Beyonce only works with women? Maybe you don't know that. If you're obsessed with Beyonce, like I'm not I am. obsessed, but okay. I've noticed the trend, yes. Yes, she only works with women. Um, and so I've always been, like, really intentional about that and just, like, making sure that, like, the people that I'm pulling in for projects are, like, you know, I want my money to go to people that I feel like, um, you know, like, it's it's feeding into the same community. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was like, I need a videographer for this Kickstarter thing. And I was like, I don't, (laughs) I didn't know who to call. (laughs) So I put, I asked my friends on social media, I was like, Hey, can y'all just send me some um, videographers? I had like one friend that I knew could do it. Um, and I had reached out to her also, but then when you came, I was like, going with Angela because black woman. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah, yes. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's I mean, it's just like, I, I try to be really intentional about, you know, the community that I work with and just like making sure that we're all kind of like, um, feeding into each other. So I was like, okay, going with Angela. So yeah, we met, you're probably like, this girl's insane. <laughs> probably not too much different than this. Um, and then, uh, we just filmed a video, which at the same, at the time I had no concept for the Kickstarter, had no clue where anything was going. I just knew I had to get this part done. Mm -hmm. So once I had the video, I was like, all right, well, that's like, now this is done. I don't have to think about that. I knew that would be like the most taxing part of the Kickstarter. Um, 
which in hindsight, the whole thing is very taxing, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, but the I think the thing that was probably the hardest was just, like, knowing, first of all, having to ask for help mm-hmm. and then being okay with receiving help. Mm. Like, that was, which you think is, like, obviously, girl, you're going to have to ask for help, but not in the, like, you don't think of it in the way that you actually, it's very vulnerable. You're like, hey, texting your friends, like, hey, don't forget, or, like, reaching out to all kinds of people, people that I probably haven't talked to in a long time, be like, hey, I'm doing this Kickstarter. Um, So you really just have to lean on your community. I feel like that has been, like, the biggest lesson of everything I've ever accomplished. Yeah. Um, You mentioned something about, yes, community, but also just, like, realizing that, you know, being intentional is really important in your work and, like, you know, your intentions have subconsciously or consciously always been, like, investing in creating original work. Like, client work is great. Like, that pays the bills. But at the end of the day, it's still just, like, a client, you know? And you can be passionate about that, but, you know, there's a difference between, like, creating work for someone in the way that they want you to create Mm -hmm. something and creating something for yourself, and putting that out into the world on your own terms. So it's like, while the Kickstarter may have been hard, but it's like you have autonomy on how you did that process. Like, you could have gone about that a couple different ways, but that's how you decided to do it. It was like, by the community, for the community type deal. And I love that. And I think people that bought into the Kickstarter, myself included, are going to love the book because that's kind of like the the theme that you went into it with, yeah, right? Yeah, I wanted it to be very much like a collective effort. Yeah. So I feel like the whole time I was like, y'all, we, we're doing this book thing. Yeah. Um, I'm the one giving birth to it, but it's like a whole, <laughs> everyone's taking care of the baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was really important to me. I think for everything, I've just, I've always been the kind of person that's just like very communal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm selfish or anything. I just am always thinking about other people, sometimes often to my detriment, actually. Like, I'll prioritize other people and their needs. That's therapy. We don't need to go into that. But um, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, yeah, I always have been focused on just, like, everybody, making sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, one thing that I will say that I love about women business owners, women leaders, women creators, women entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it, women nonprofit founders, is, like, they're always relationship-driven. They're always mm-hmm. going to think about, like, how can I – save this relationship? How can I enhance this relationship? How can I begin this relationship on a good note? Um, how can I extend this relationship and grow this relationship? Um, that's all. We're very relationship oriented, right? Definitely. Whereas I think um, men, while they may have partners, they may have people they collaborate with, at the end of the day, they're like, what do I need? Yeah, this is me. Yeah, it's this, is my, me. this yes. is my project. Yes. This is my book, right? This is my business and not like how can I give back and bring people in in a way that is safe and welcoming and um, inclusive? And so, like, how do I say this nicely? Like, when we... <laughs> I'm trying to say this nicely. Like, when we think about, like, how we approach business, how we approach pricing, how we approach creating and having creative autonomy on our own terms, like, what are some, like, pieces of advice that you would give people? Again, like you've already talked about, like, being okay asking and receiving help. But also, like, what are some other things that you learned in being so community-oriented, but also having to, like, protect yourself because you can't give so much that you have nothing. Right. You have to have boundaries. And so, like, what are some ways that you've worked to establish them? I know that's a hard question. And sometimes boundaries are fluid because sometimes we'll be breaking them. But the thing <laughs> is, I am literally the worst when it comes to boundaries. Um, 
I'm just, it's just not something that I'm good at protecting and really like holding people to. And it's something that I'm actively like, I'm aware of, I'm trying to get better and like work through. Um, so yeah, boundaries, that is like a whole, now my brain is like going down that rabbit hole. Um, no, you're good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think just, um, well, another, this is probably, I think it's an important note to add to the community focus. Um, it's kind of hard because sometimes you'll have people that are like, oh, well, that's not the way that I do things. I'm like, all right, well, cool. You keep doing it your way. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing over here. Um, it's just always been, I think also because of Smiring Coast, I mean, there was no revenue stream for like literally the longest. So like we, I think I maybe added t-shirts maybe in like 2016 mm-hmm. and that was again before it was Aspiring Co. Um, so it was just free content. Like, Hey, come get inspired. Like there was no, no like paywall or anything like here, just like, uh, just giving all this content out. So to me, it was more of like a, Hey, I've served you. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you. And now let's let's like yeah. kind of like bounce off of each other. So I think that has been like part of the reason why I was more okay with being like more of a community focused project. Um, but like I said, some people are like, oh well, that's. I mean, I would have just re- reached out to like organizations, had them pay for the whole thing. I'm like, well, that's cool. If that's what you want to do, that's yeah. just not the approach that I'm going to take ever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's very important. Like, Crowns and Hops and people who have been watching probably have already figured out that I really like beer and I'm obsessed with Crowns and Hops, uh, which is a black-owned brewery out in L.A. Um, but they did an equity crowdfund. Mm. So they did it, through, not through Kickstarter, mm-hmm. obviously, through a different, like, platform. But basically they're like, yeah, we could go to investors. We could, like, there's plenty of rich black people who would probably love to give to us, but that's not the only way we want to receive money. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to have give our community the opportunity to invest in us at whatever level they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with, right? Um, And I think there's just something to be said and understanding that, like, you know, yeah, organizations, investors, people, they can, you know, angel investors, they can give you money. That's, that's, there's no problem. But, like, at the end of the day, you still need to, like, sell things. Like, you still need to have community buy-in in order to be successful. And I think, like, that is kind of, like, that missing middle between, like, I'm just going to bootstrap this thing and do it all my own through client work or... The other extreme is, like, I'm going to get VC or angel investment versus, like, how can I also, like, make money? Yes, but also, like, bring people in and allow them to have not necessarily, like, ownership if you don't want to do an equity crowdfund, but just, like, feel as though they are a part 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 of of this. Exactly. Yeah, and that's something that was really important to me, especially because this book is a book of interviews. It's not me talking about my life. Thank the Lord. (laughs) First of all, no one wants that. Second of all, um, yeah, it's a book about bringing all these different people together of all different walks of life. So it was important to me to reflect that in every part of the process as much as I could. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I make decisions and I don't, I'm just led by my intuition. It's not, sometimes I don't even think about it. It's just like, this is just what I'm doing. Right. Um, so that's the way that my intuition kind of led me and it all kind of aligns. Yeah. I feel like you're the first person who said that. Like, I feel like some people have really defined decision-making processes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then some people are just like, this is what feels right. This is what I'm doing. And like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe I straddle between both of them. Sometimes it's like, 
I get so deep into like analysis paralysis that like sometimes things just don't happen and it's like I can't allow that <laughs> to continue. I honestly sometimes. wish I had more of an analytical brain because I, I just truly do not. So <laughs> I can't even pretend. Um, so I'm just very much led by intuition and just by like my gut feelings about things and yeah. I'm just such a creative right brain per- person. I just I literally can't mm-hmm. function like if I tried to. I think when I was younger, I was probably a little bit better at, like, balancing the two. But as I got older, I was just like, mm, I'm good on it. I feel like a lot of that is, like, you know, education systems. Yeah. And, like, if you don't have teachers that you feel like are relatable and things like that. I feel like all of my teachers that I hated were math teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They were all math teachers. I had one good math teacher in college, one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that was because he was neurodivergent and he just broke things down in a different way. So I, I really liked him. Um, but, yeah, I just my brain has just always been like super wired to like more of the creative stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I feel like I was the opposite. Like I came out like very analytical, like very much like things need to have like a reason and all these type of things. But I was also like terrible with money. So there had to be a balance, right? <laughs> like I couldn't just like shoot from the hip all the time and be like, Oh, I want this new piece of camera gear. And it's like, where'd all my money go that I earned? (laughs) I can't keep doing this. Like this isn't sustainable. (laughs) So I think it it had to balance itself out. It's like, man, like when I was being, I would say more intuitive and more impulsive, like it wasn't financially viable to keep doing that. So I had to like meet in the middle somewhere. I don't know where I'm at now, because I mean, we're just here day by day, hour by hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I can't even pretend to be, like, any way other than how I am. It's just, I mean, it would would be an obvious lie to everyone. But that's okay, though. I think that's what makes it better. I think that's why Aspiring Co. is still here today, because you're like, this is who I am, this is how I'm going to do things, and this is what works for me. And, like, you just keep doing that, and opportunities keep coming, and, like, that's just kind of how life goes. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. I I think sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Like, you say you put in all this work that was free, and it's like, a lot of creators can probably relate to that. Like, you know, like a lot of YouTubers, you know, a lot Definitely. of podcasters, mm-hmm. like, it's like, I'm not, you're not paying me to do this. Like I want to do this because I'm passionate about it. So when you, it comes time to like, okay, I need to make money. Like I don't feel bad. And like, you know, also having that delineation, like I'm happy to do things for free. It's not that I'm not mm-hmm. passionate enough to do things for free, but it's also like, I want to make a living and be able yeah, to, you eat. have to be able to balance. Yeah. yeah I think, um, Definitely, I was definitely inspired by, like, the Issa Rays of the world. Yes. Because, um, I mean, Issa has had so many web series that were, I mean, I would imagine you can probably still watch them now. I have no idea. But, you can watch um, Awkward Black Girl. I'm not sure about the first one. So there's one. Fly three. Guys. That yeah. was one of them, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I study Issa. And the thing I is, too. I was in college when all of this stuff was, like, popping off. So, I was able to just, like, really just like really focus on her career and the trajectory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not just her kid fury too, mm-hmm. from the read and the reads doing all kinds of amazing things, but everything that he started doing was on YouTube, just like free, just like talking to people and yeah. doing like comedy stuff. So I think just like watching it be possible for like them, mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I just stay the course, just keep my focus and stay consistent, I can, you know, eventually hopefully get to, maybe just an ounce just touch the garment down like, <laughs> I'm a whole goofball yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like maybe I could aspire yeah. towards that yeah 
I just also want to say that Crowns and Hobbs was at the kickoff for Insecure Season 5. I just want to put that out there. Just want to put that out there. Beer was there. And I was so jealous that they got a picture with her. Oh, I, I just love Issa so much. I know. I feel like I, I, there are definitely like the Issa's and the Ava DuVernay's. And I'm just like, yes, like absolutely could see like this is the life that I could see in some way. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like that creative path and freedom that they have. But then I also get inspired by like brewers. I get inspired by farmers. I get inspired by like people who can keep plants alive. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. get inspired by different types of people that are not maybe in this industry but are also just like creating their own path and stuff like that so there's definitely something to be said for like putting in that time putting in that work that is free and then getting that reward by like yeah and I mean this has been quite a long journey which I didn't I feel like I have recently come to like the reckoning that like I interviewed my first woman she was a um like a fashion designer in 2010 Mm-hmm. It is 2022. Yeah, 12 years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah. And it was never in any official capacity. It was just like, hey, I think you're cool. Can I talk about that with you? And mm-hmm. we just see what happens from there. Um, yeah. And also just like really putting myself out there, which that is something that I, I'm actually really grateful for my business because if I didn't have a spine cut, I probably would not be as comfortable talking to strangers mm-hmm. on the internet because that's how I got here mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's definitely I don't know I don't know I definitely I don't know I'm very introverted very very introverted I have had no problem this pandemic staying my behind in the house honey let me tell you <laughs> it's been glorious for me I had no problems doing that but like I don't know definitely like I didn't start going to networking events until I moved here and so that's a whole different thing of like going to work every day and then after work going to a networking event going home take a shower eat wake up do it all over again and that was like my grind for like three months so I definitely worked up like my ability to speak to people and like get to know people and like pitch myself yeah I feel like I've gotten rusty because of the pandemic I hope I have no desire to get unrusty at this point (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I feel like at this I mean I have I need to get better um I used to feel like it was no problem. I could just be like, oh, yeah, I do this, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, mm. They're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, like, telling your story, like, takes practice. And, yes. Like, you have to really get better. And, like, as you grow and mature and change and stuff like that. But... And then as your story continues to evolve and change, you have to add new elements and still be clear enough to people so they don't get confused and they know, like, what you and your brand is about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely something to be said for, like, the confidence that, like, having a business for a long time will give you. So I'm definitely thankful for that. I don't know. Anyways, I think that's a good note to end on. Can you tell yes. people where to find you? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I am a lovely underscore D-A-E, a lovely day, um, on Instagram, Twitter, on all the things. Mm-hmm. Website, alovelyday.com, all that stuff. Um, but then I also have Aspiring Co., which is Aspiring underscore Co. on everything. Um, and then the book is, it, it'll be out sometime this year. So <laughs> that's all I can tell you. It'll be out in 2022. Yeah. I am aiming for September, but I don't know. September might be further than the timeline or I don't know. We'll see. It'll be out this year. Um, it's called Almost Finished 75 Dream Chasers on Building Legacy, Taking Risk, and Giving Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming.